0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News
1: Talk. We started the show today, God, way back three hours ago, talking about climate change. And we were talking about it in the context of the sacrifices that younger people are maybe more willing to make than their parents or their grandparents when it comes to reducing carbon emissions. And in the context of those types of conversations, We talk about carbon emissions, about CO2. We talk about the relationship between CO2 and uh, the greenhouse effect. Uh, But I'm not sure how many of us understand it, or certainly how many of us understand uh, how different the world would be without any type of greenhouse effect. And the fact that the greenhouse effect is evident not just on this planet, but on other planets in the solar system. So that is exactly what Dr. Coleman Gallagher, the planetary geomorphologist from the UCD School of Geography, is here to talk about this week in our guide to the galaxy. Coleman, uh, pleasure as always, and thanks a million for coming in to us. So, um, talk to me a little bit about the um, the evidence that natural CO two has on the Earth.
0: Okay, the the evidence long term really comes from ice cores. These are long sausages of ice extracted from uh, the Antarctic ice sheets and from the Greenland ice sheet mainly. And uh, they go back hundreds of thousands of years, and actually the latest one, uh, called the Epica ice core from Antarctica, goes back two million years. And in those ice cores, it's possible to see annual accumulation layers of ice. This is snow turned to ice as it gets more and more compressed. And those annual layers are defined by dust layers, And in fact, you can even see winter summer variations in them. It's it's absolutely incredible. So you can count years going back at least hundreds of thousands of years. In those layers are contained um, air bubbles that were trapped when the snow fell, and then they were trapped even further when the snow turned to ice. And it's possible to sample those air bubbles. And that means you can actually sample the, the gas constituents of the atmosphere going back on an annual basis, hundreds of thousands of years. And from that, we can actually determine the amount the, the concentration in parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere
1: So carbon dioxide was there evident in the atmosphere before we started digging oil out of the ground yes, and absolutely. burning it and, yeah. and changing the planet in our own way um, What's the relationship between that carbon dioxide that was and is in the atmosphere and the atmosphere of the planet and how habitable the planet is?
0: Yeah, well, um, it's possible to to calculate that, and in fact, if you calculate the, uh, the the effect of the natural greenhouse effect, just in terms of the amount of energy the Earth receives from the sun, without the natural greenhouse effect, which isn't just caused by carbon dioxide. In fact, it's mainly caused by water vapor. Um, carbon dioxide comes in second as the most important contributor, um, but it's the most variable. And without that natural greenhouse effect, the Earth would have a temperature of about minus 17 degrees Celsius. Um, So, in fact, the the average temperature is raised by about 28 degrees Celsius because of the natural greenhouse effect. So, the natural greenhouse effect is our friend, but I I emphasize the
1: natural greenhouse effect. Okay, we'll talk in a moment about the unnatural greenhouse uh, effect. Um, How do we know about CO2 and its importance in climate? I mean, what is its role? The
0: role of CO2 in climate is that um, when sunlight enters the Earth's atmosphere, uh, it comes in as as visible and ultraviolet radiation, the kind of the, the, the stuff that we can see with our eyes and the stuff that gives us sunburn. Um, the atmosphere is translucent to those wavelengths, to those high-energy wavelengths, When that radiation interacts with the Earth's surface, it loses energy and it it is transformed into longer wavelength radiation, which is emitted back to the atmosphere. It then interacts with molecules in the atmosphere that have more than three atoms. They're they're triatomic molecules, things like CO2, so a carbon and two oxygens, Mm. and uh, H2O, so two hydrogens and an an oxygen, so uh, uh, molecules with more than three atoms. They... um, are excited for a, a very short period of time by that emitted radiation from the Earth's surface and they re-emit it back to the atmosphere. And and that means that they actually become a secondary source of heat um, that actually uh, reserves uh, about 50% of that radiation emitted from the Earth's surface. The other 50% goes up into space, but it, it kind of uh, retains 50%. A lot of people use the word traps, but that's not correct because if it trapped it, it would never be re-emitted. So... It couldn't do any heating, so yeah. it re it. It's called a secondary radiation. Okay, and that is the 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 basis of the greenhouse effect.
1: Okay, so so that that figure you gave is at the minus seventeen degrees. I mean that that would be the impact of those waves hitting the Earth. Uh, they're as you say that they're transforming into kind of a longer wavelength. They 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 head back up towards the atmosphere if they just kept on going. Yeah, that that's what leaves us with a minus. 17 degree Absolutely. centigrade planet.
0: That's right. If, if there was perfect reflection off the planet, for example, if the planet was white, if there was a global uh, glaciation, uh, which actually happened uh, several hundred million years ago, um, the what's called the albedo of the Earth, which is the proportion of sunlight reflected back into space without doing any heating, would be 100% and we would be a frozen
1: planet, even at this distance from the sun. So what's the... the the evidence in those cores perhaps or elsewhere for variations in the CO2 varying the Earth's atmosphere and the climate.
0: So in those cores, the the cores are made of of water, they're made of ice, which originally comes from the oceans and is precipitated as snow and then accumulates as ice. And it contains uh, uh, an isotope of hydrogen called deuterium, and deuterium is a really good marker of uh, temperature variation. Um, and you can you can measure the ratio of deuterium to other isotopes, and it tells you a great deal about temperature variation. It, it can also be correlated with the temperature variation in the oceans, in fact, through uh, other isotopes, isotopes of oxygen. So we've got a really good idea about temperature variation uh, on the Earth over the last, well, several million years, more than mm. two million years. What it always shows is that when the Earth's atmosphere is relatively poor in carbon dioxide, global temperatures are low. And global temperatures in in the southern hemisphere and in the northern hemisphere are low at the same time, so it's a global change. When the atmosphere is richer in carbon dioxide, temperatures are higher. Okay. Uh, globally as well.
1: Why... And what causes, until we come along, what causes that variation in CO2 in the atmosphere?
0: It seems to be, um, it's a complex process. Um, The fundamental uh, thing that causes this time variation is variation in the amount of sunlight that the northern hemisphere receives. Uh, This is variation caused by a set of things called the Milankovitch mechanisms. Um, the, The secondary cause is to do with the relationship between that radiation in the northern hemisphere and the functioning of deep ocean currents that are generated in the North Atlantic Ocean. They uh, uh, cause vapor loss in the North Atlantic Ocean to be greater than vapor loss in the South Atlantic Ocean. That makes the North Atlantic Ocean saltier and Mm. and denser than the South. So uh, the water, which is denser in the North Atlantic, sinks to the floor of the North Atlantic. It flows along the floor to the South, and we get this kind of conveyor belt in the the Atlantic Ocean. Mm. In fact, that conveyor belt extends all the way through the Indian Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. And along that deep ocean set of currents, carbon dioxide is absorbed. It turns into oceanic bicarbonate. In the Pacific, it's returned to the atmosphere. And so if that deep set of ocean currents is functioning, we get a constant atmospheric um, concentration of carbon dioxide. If those deep currents cease functioning or if they're severely weakened, The ocean holds on to that carbon dioxide in the form of bicarbonate and we get a reduction in atmospheric carbon dioxide levels. The thing that will change that is this uh, change in the salinity levels between North and South Atlantic Ocean. That is the key thing. And fundamentally, in the natural world, that happens as a consequence of the amount of sunlight the northern hemisphere receives. That Reduced sunlight reduces the vapor loss in the North Atlantic Ocean. It makes it more like the South Atlantic Ocean and the
1: whole thing stops. So to, to what extent then has fossil fuel burning upended that natural process of carbon dioxide varying in the atmosphere?
0: Yeah, at the moment, um, the, the the ocean currents are still functioning. In fact, research that was done, um, principally with researchers from Minuth University, suggests that the deep ocean currents are on the, the the tipping point of actually becoming severely weakened or severely destabilized. Um, the the relationship between uh, human um, produced greenhouse gases, they're called anthropogenic greenhouse gases, is that at the moment the Earth's atmosphere um, has got 420 parts per million carbon dioxide. The maximum concentration of carbon dioxide in the natural world during warm periods like the last 10,000 years has been about 280 parts per million. So we have increased from 280 parts per million to 420 parts per million, mainly in the uh, last 200 years and during that time, mainly in the last um, 50 to 60 years. And in fact, it gets worse because about 40% of the total rise is in the last 10 to 20 years. And that relates to to economic development and to productivity and to consumption of energy.
1: All right, which is why we find ourselves talking about it. It's why, as I said right at the outset, we talked about it at the outset of the show. But is there evidence on other planets of the greenhouse effect?
0: Yes, there is, yeah. Venus is the classic one. Uh, Venus is almost the same size and mass as the Earth. It's a good deal closer to the Sun, about uh, um, one third closer to the Sun than we are. It's got a runaway greenhouse effect. It's got an atmosphere uh, with a concentration of about 95% carbon dioxide, um, and its temperature is about 460 degrees Celsius. It's got a its atmospheric pressure is 90 times that of Earth. Mainly made of carbon dioxide. Um, it's it's uh, it's got about 2,400 times the amount of carbon dioxide that we have, and that's weird because in fact it should be a lot hotter than it is. The one thing it lacks is water vapor, and that shows the importance of water vapor in also contributing to the greenhouse effect. Uh, Without water vapor, it's amazing to say that uh, Venus is actually a little bit cooler than it should be, given the amount of carbon dioxide that it has. Um, Mars, on the other hand, it's got an atmosphere consisting of about 97% carbon dioxide. Mm. So you'd think, well, it should be a really effective greenhouse. It's not very effective. It produces maybe a 5% increase in global temperatures on Mars. And that's because the atmosphere is nearly a vacuum on Mars. So while there are the, the, there is ninety five percent carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, there's hardly any atmosphere. So it's a very very inefficient greenhouse effect. Okay. So the the greenhouse effect caused by carbon dioxide, water vapor, methane is a really potent greenhouse gas, and actually several others uh, is a it's a really effective mechanism. But it,
1: it it requires other mechanisms to come into play as well. And Earth has them all in abundance. Uh, some of them now in too much abundance. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Coleman. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you again at the same time next week. Dr. Coleman Gaddaher, planetary geomorphologist from the UCD School of Geography.
0: The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddihy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.